2: Good morning and welcome to Sanofta's third quarter fiscal 2020 earnings conference call. By now everyone should have access to the earnings press release that was issued this morning and is available on the investor relations page on Sanofta's website at www.sanofta.com. This call is being webcast and its transcription will also be available on the company's website. As a reminder, please note that the prepared remarks which will follow contain forward-looking statements, and management may make additional forward-looking statements in response to your questions. These statements do not guarantee future performance, and therefore undue reliance should not be placed upon them. We refer you to all risk factors contained in Synoptys press release issued this morning. The company's annual report filed on Form 10-K and other filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission for more detailed discussion of the factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projections and any forward-looking statements. The company undertakes no obligation to publicly correct or update the forward-looking statements made during the presentation to reflect future events or circumstances, except as may be required under applicable securities laws. Finally, we would like to remind listeners that the company may refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures during this teleconference. A reconciliation of these non-GAAP financial measures was included with the company's press release issued earlier today. Also, please note that unless otherwise stated, all figures discussed today are in U.S. dollars and are occasionally rounded to the nearest million. And now, I'd like to turn the call over to some office CEO, Joe Emmon.
0: Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. With me on the call is Scott Huckins, our Chief Financial Officer. Before we begin unpacking the Q3 result, there are three key takeaways that I would like to offer. First, Strong execution of our core strategy continues to deliver consistent, strong performance across all three business segments. Second, our prioritized investments in plant-based foods and beverages is paying dividends. We are playing offense, we are winning, and we expect to continue to win as our expansion projects come online in the fourth quarter, further strengthening an already strong position. And third, we are optimistic about our future ability to deliver consistent, sustainable, above-average EBITDA growth. As anticipated, the third quarter results were strong, delivering our fourth consecutive quarter of more than doubling year-over-year adjusted EBITDA and the third consecutive quarter in which each of our segments generated both revenue and margin growth trailing 12-month adjusted EBITDA at the end of Q3 2019 was $40 million. Today, our trailing 12-month adjusted EBITDA is $84 million. With four consecutive quarters of more than doubling adjusted EBITDA, combined with the momentum and plans we have, it is safe to say that Synopta is no longer a turnaround story. We are, quite simply, a well-positioned, sustainability-minded growth company with a clear vision to fuel the future of food. Our performance reflects strong execution of our core strategies, along with investment and focus on our core strengths. We have now fully transitioned from our turnaround successes to driving profitability and growth across each of our business segments. I'm pleased with our positioning and the performance across our entire organization. For the third quarter, we delivered 5.4% revenue growth, adjusted for changes in commodity-related pricing and FX rate. This growth was fueled by very strong consumer demand in all three of our core segments, led by robust growth in our global ingredients and plant-based business segments. I'd like to share some syndicated data to help dimensionalize the consumer-fueled momentum in our core businesses. Consumption in the last 13 weeks shows both refrigerated and shelf-stable plant-based milks growing 18% and 16% respectively. We are excited to see the continued tremendous growth in oat milk with triple-digit growth rates. Oat milk is now the second-largest plant-based milk behind only almond milk. This momentum in oat will certainly provide tailwinds for our plant-based business unit as our oat extraction facility is in the final stages of commissioning and, as previously discussed, gives us a four-fold increase in extraction volume. Frozen fruit also continues to see very strong consumer demand, and while our supply constraints have somewhat limited our upside, we are encouraged by the consumer's enthusiasm for this category. Lastly, we continue to see strong growth in organic food sales in many of our core markets around the world, fueling growth in our global ingredients segment. It is encouraging that we are so well positioned in such strong growth categories, and we fully intend to capitalize on consumer demand for our on-trend sustainable products. Since I joined Sanopta, I have talked about improving execution as a top priority. Nowhere is the improvement in execution more evident than in our gross margin performance. Total company gross profit margin in Q3 was 13.3%, the best gross margin since Q1 of 2012. Total gross profit margin improved 440 basis points with our fruit business contributing the most to this improvement. Our productivity initiative with a focus on automation, reducing line downtime and more disciplined operations management are paying off around the world. Manufacturing plants from our cocoa facility in Holland to our plant-based aseptic beverage facility in Pennsylvania to our frozen fruit bagging operation in Kansas are setting production records and doing it with fewer people. While these records are impressive in their own right, it's important to recognize that these results are coming at a time when we are also managing all of the challenges related to COVID-19 prevention in our plan. To date, we continue to have zero confirmed cases of community-transmitted COVID-19. This accomplishment is something we are all very proud of, as employee safety is our top priority. While the challenges of managing around COVID-19 are significant, the overall impact on our financial performance for the quarter were not significant on a year-over-year basis. When we net the headwinds and tailwinds, the impact on revenue and EBITDA offset each other. Turning to EBITDA, as mentioned, we more than doubled adjusted EBITDA on a year-over-year basis for the third quarter with an increase of 129% to 22.8 million on 5.4% adjusted revenue growth. Adjusted EBITDA as a percentage of revenue was 7.2% and showed solid progress against our long-term stated goal of 10% EBITDA margin rate. Turning to our segment results, let me begin with our plant-based segment. Sales momentum continued, overcoming the impact of softer food service sales as COVID-19 continues to impact the channel, as all would anticipate. Sales increased 6.6% on an adjusted basis, despite our largest customer not contributing to the growth, given their food service focus. Sunflower, which is reported within this segment, saw a revenue decline in Q3, which dampened overall segment performance. If we remove the Sunflower headwind, the remainder of the segment grew revenue 10.8%. Growth margins improved to 19.9%, reflecting improved utilization and execution of our productivity initiative. With the significant growth in consumer demand that I mentioned earlier, you will not be surprised to hear that in Q4, we will be operating as close to capacity as possible. And as a result, we expect a strong Q4 in our plant-based business unit. Our three expansion projects, which we have discussed several times, are on time and on budget. Combined, they will further expand our leadership position in aseptic plant-based beverage production through new capabilities in plant extraction and added aseptic production. These projects, when fully utilized, have the potential to add approximately $100 million to our annual sales. I continue to be pleased with our sales development efforts, and we are in advanced discussions with several large customers who will consume a sizable portion of the incremental volume. I would like to remind listeners that adding this amount of new business does not happen overnight. In many cases, these are large new customers with complex needs, and it is not as simple as flipping a switch. But we continue to believe that we can have this incremental capacity fully utilized by the end of 2022. Our new capacity additions in the fourth quarter position us for a strong 2021 and 2022. Our leadership in plant-based beverages, our broad capabilities, along with our strong positioning, are the key drivers of these significant new business opportunities and is the foundation of our plans to double our plant-based business unit over the coming years. In global ingredients, sales growth accelerated to an impressive 8.3% on an adjusted basis, reflecting very strong performance in cocoa, oils, and juice to highlight just a few categories. We generated another quarter of improved gross margin as a result of top-line growth along with executing our productivity plan. In particular, our Crown of Holland cocoa processing facility generated record production levels with higher efficiencies. Further, our efforts in driving return on investment yielded a roughly 10% reduction in year-over-year inventories while our revenue growth accelerated. Gross margin in this segment was 12.2%, again, reflecting strong execution of our plan. While this business has had some historical volatility, it is encouraging to see a heightened level of discipline and execution at this time. Within our fruit platform, our focus on driving improved margin yielded significant year-over-year gains with gross margin improving to 7.7%, up 990 basis points from the prior year on approximately 1% adjusted revenue growth. Our investments in automation are driving significant improvements in productivity, partially offsetting a challenging fruit procurement environment. We have wrapped up the California strawberry season, and despite the lower-than-expected freezer crop. Our renewed focus on grower relations helped us procure a significantly larger share of the available fruit compared to 2019. We maintained our plant throughput for the whole season, utilizing roughly 40% less seasonal labor compared to 2018 as a result of our automation initiative. We remain confident in our ability to meet our expectations for further sequential margin improvements in the fourth quarter. While there were many questions last quarter on the impact of the California strawberry season, I will share that this business is different now than in the past. For context, conventional strawberries grown in California represent less than 5% of our total company gross profit. Do I wish the season had been better? Of course. Do some headwinds on 5% of the business define Sunopta? No. Our fruit business, had a history of negative Q3, Q4 surprises, but this is not historical synoptic, and our view of 2021 has actually improved compared to last quarter, as we are now incrementally more optimistic about next year. We have more clarity into customer commitments, and we are seeing success in passing through pricing to offset more costly fruit. Therefore, while there are still some unknowns, we can now communicate a more optimistic view that we expect profit growth in in 2021. In conclusion, we delivered yet another doubling of year-over-year adjusted EBITDA, drove the third consecutive quarter of growth and gross margin improvement in all three of our segments, and produced the best consolidated gross margin percentage performance in eight years. Further, we are seeing significant increased consistency across each of our segments, which is reflected in our quarterly results. Our positioning in key healthy, natural, and organic categories, along with our leadership in plant-based foods, position us exceptionally well with consumers. We have successfully executed and completed our turnaround efforts, reduced leverage, invested in promising opportunities, and are now focused on driving growth across our core platform. Now, I will turn the call over to Scott to take us through the rest of the financials. Scott? Thank you very much, Joe, and good morning, everyone. Let me walk through gross profit and the rest of the income statement, given Joe's discussion of the commercial activities and revenue during the quarter. I will also cover our balance sheet and cash flow results. We're very pleased to report another strong quarter. As Joe discussed, we saw 6.4 percent revenue growth and more than doubled adjusted EBITDA for the fourth consecutive quarter. Gross profit was $41.9 million for the third quarter of 2020, an increase of 15.6 million or 59% compared to $26.3 million during the third quarter of 2019. The fruit-based segment was responsible for $9.1 million of the gross profit improvement. For perspective, that brings year-to-date gross profit in fruit to 19.8 million or nearly five times the prior year's results. The improvement in fruit came from improved revenue, pricing, a favorable mix of higher margin retail versus food service revenue, and the benefits from increased automation and productivity initiatives implemented in our plants. The plant-based segment accounted for 3.4 million of the increase in gross profit, mainly reflecting revenue growth of 10.8% in the plant-based beverage and extraction businesses offset in part by a reduction in revenue in the sunflower business. In addition to revenue growth, increased production volumes as well as strong execution of our productivity plan and higher capacity utilization drove improved margins. This was partially offset by lower revenue, production volumes, and plant utilization in the sunflower operation. Global ingredients contributed 3.1 million of improvement, primarily due to solid execution of our portfolio optimization efforts that resulted in increased pricing spreads and higher margin product mix for organic ingredients and premium juice products. This was supplemented by manufacturing efficiencies and productivity improvements. These results were partially offset by an unfavorable cocoa commodity hedging result of $1 million versus the prior year, and manufacturing inefficiencies related to organic avocado oil production. As Joe noted, we were quite pleased with the performance of our cocoa processing operations, which set record production volumes in the third quarter with improved efficiencies. As a percentage of revenues, third quarter gross margin was the highest since 2012 at 13.3 percent, compared to 8.9 percent last year a 440 basis point increase. All segments contributed significantly to the gross margin expansion, with gross margin expanding 990 basis points in the fruit segment, 210 basis points in the plant-based segment, and 160 basis points in the global ingredients segment. Operating income was $9.4 million, or 3% of revenues, in the third quarter, compared to a loss of $3.5 million last year. SG&A increased $1.6 million to $29.3 million in the third quarter, with the savings initiatives being offset primarily by variable compensation expense. Loss attributable to common shareholders for the third quarter was $2.8 million, or $0.03 per diluted share, compared to a loss of $13.8 million or sixteen cents per diluted share during the third quarter of twenty nineteen. On an adjusted basis, net loss was one point three million or one cent per diluted share compared to a loss of nine point nine million or eleven cents per common share in the prior year. As Joe mentioned earlier, for the third quarter of twenty twenty, adjusted EBITDA was twenty-two point eight million compared to nine point nine million in the prior year bringing the trailing 12 months adjusted EBITDA to 84000000 million. I'd like to remind listeners that adjusted EBITDA and adjusted earnings are non-GAAP measures, and a reconciliation of these measures to GAAP can be found toward the back of the press release issued earlier this morning. Turning to the balance sheet and cash flow, Q3 total debt was $443.8 million, down approximately $47 million from Q4 2019. Total debt reflects $219.5 million net of issuance costs of our second lien notes due in October of 2022, $199.7 million drawn on our global asset-based credit facility with the balance representing smaller credit facilities, leases, and other financing arrangements. Leverage has improved to 5.3 times from 10.3 times as we entered 2020, and we are now nearing completion of the refinancing of our ABL, which matures in March of 2022. Following this, we will begin the process of refinancing our second lien notes, which are due in late 2022. Our significant improvements in adjusted EBITDA over the trailing 12 months is a significant asset in the refinancing process and we are very confident with our refinancing prospects. From a cash flow perspective, during the quarter, cash generated from operating activities was $20.2 million compared to cash generated of $4.3 million during the third quarter of 2019. The $15.9 million improvement reflects improved operating performance and continued working capital management. It is worth pointing out that our global ingredients segment reduced nearly 10% of its inventory position versus Q3 of last year. Cash used in investing activities was 11.8 million compared with 7.6 million in the third quarter of 2019. The increase in capital investments primarily relates to investments to expand capacity in our plant-based operations. As we look forward, we continue to expect that our executional excellence will generate strong PL flow through. In the fourth quarter, we will likely see high single-digit revenue growth, creating robust double-digit gross profit growth, cascading to what could approach a nearly 50% increase in EBITDA versus Q4 2019, which was in turn a doubling of EBITDA versus Q4 of 2018. With that, I'd ask the operator to please open up the call to questions.
2: Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Our first question comes from Brian Holland of DA Davidson. Your line is open. Uh, Maybe first question here, just kind of
1: near-term focus. Uh, the ramp of the new plant-based capacity, I know we've talked about $100 million over two years. Uh, if we just think about maybe the next couple quarters, though, uh, as you ramp that up, uh, the impact both to sales and also gross margin, if there's anything we should be mindful of as we're forecasting out.
0: Yeah, good morning, Brian. Uh Joe here. Um, so, fr- first of all, just in terms of uh, our expectations on ramping that production utilization, You know, we put a marker out there that we expect it to be fully utilized by the end of Q4 2022. Um, You know, at this juncture, we don't have perfect insight into how that's going to flow. We are making good progress um, in terms of working with significant uh, new customers in in adding business to that capacity. Um, As it relates to gross margin impact, there are kind of three components. Um, certainly, the added capacity would be a bit of a headwind to gross margin. However, uh, as we look forward to 2021, we think uh, both customer mix as well as our productivity efforts will both be tailwinds, and net-net those uh, two tailwinds should net uh, or mitigate any kind of negative impact from the added capacity. So we would expect 2021 um, Gross profit margin to look broadly like 2020.
1: I appreciate the color there. Um, And and then, so another question on plant based, you know, you've been asked several times since your expansion announcement about whether you had the demand to fill that capacity. And, you know, mindful specifically of the significant growth within the oat based segment, you know, as well as the potential TAM given the value proposition vis a vis almond milk. I'm curious whether you think you've added enough capacity, and if not, and, and given the lead time required to stand up that incremental capacity, are there plans in place for further investment, how, how you're thinking about that? Uh,
0: you, you know, on some levels, I hope we didn't add enough capacity, um, but uh, that would be a good problem to have. Um, you, you know, we we are certainly encouraged by the consumer, uh, excuse me, the customer, uh, outreach that we've had on that and customers' interest in Oak Base. Um, You know, at this juncture, our focus is on, uh, you know, getting that new facility fully uh, up and running and utilized. And, you know, if we find that, you know, in kind of some point in 2021 that we feel like, you know, we've got a 12-month view out of the business where we think we're going to sell that out, we're certainly... Uh, willing and able to make further investments in that uh, in that space. Got it. Fair enough.
1: Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, switching over to food service, uh, you know, a bit of a headwind uh, or an offset to the growth this quarter. Uh, not surprising, but just curious if you could maybe kind of give us a little bit of incremental color on sort of the pace of recovery in that channel. I think high level, what we're seeing is obviously a trough first half of the year. Um, you know a immediately following lockdown and then we saw some steady progression uh, moderating declines that seem to have sort of peaked you know, depending on what channel you're talking about, maybe in a high single, low double-digit range. So I'm curious if specific to your business that that's kind of mirrors what we're seeing high level. And then secondly, with the concerns about, you know, second wave and new cases and, and maybe, maybe new measures uh, being implemented, how you're kind of thinking about the plan going forward here and, and the pace of recovery uh, in that channel as it, as it pertains to your business.
0: Yeah, so, you know, yes, we're seeing a consistent pattern to what you articulated. Um, In aggregate, food service was neither a headwind nor a tailwind uh, for the quarter. It looked broadly similar to 2019. Um, As it relates to the impact of a second wave of COVID, you know, we're all certainly concerned about that at multiple levels, you know, first and foremost for uh, our associates and and the operations of our facilities um but you know we're going to continue to monitor monitor it and work with our customers and and respond to their forecasts and you know to date we have not seen any significant adjustments in their forecasts as they think about a potential second wave but we'll certainly be uh, ready to respond to that
1: uh, and last one for me, I really appreciate the, the color and the clarity uh, that you provided with re- respect to the fruit segment this quarter. Uh, but just to confirm, you you are lapping uh, pricing that you took, I believe, uh, this time last year. Uh, so, so just curious, uh, have you taken or will you need to take more pricing this quarter? Uh, and if so,
0: how those discussions progressed? Um, so, yes, we... Are in a position where we have been able to pass through the majority of the impact of higher cost fruit from this season, and many of those um, prices will go into effect uh, here in the fourth quarter. Um, You know, that's a result of a lot of great work by our sales team over the last uh, 12 months to get. Better relations with our customers as well as different pricing mechanisms in place and and certainly has aided our efforts in uh, mitigating the impact of the higher cost fruit.
1: Appreciate uh, all the color. Uh, Best of luck.
2: Thanks again.
0: Thanks, Brian. Your next
2: question comes from Ryan Myers of Lake Street Capital. Your line is open.
0: Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, first, just a clarification. You gave some commentary on the fourth quarter for revenue, growth, profit, and adjusted EBITDA. I just want to make sure this is year-over-year growth, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, and then can you discuss potential headwinds that you guys might see in the plant-based beverage, including food service that you you know, could potentially see going forward that maybe slow the growth a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I say I, I certainly think a, a second, um, you know, wave of COVID could have an impact. I mean, I'll, I will remind um, that we now have, you know, several quarters of what a COVID environment looks like, and so I don't really have any material forward-looking insight that would suggest it would look different than our Q2 and, and uh, Q3 results from this year, Um you know, I think there's obviously an offset with retail growth, and we see very, very strong growth on the retail segment. And um, I would, I guess, expect the 2021 to look like uh, 2020 if, if you know, we were to kind of go back into a very deep uh, kind of COVID shutdown. Okay, that's helpful. Um, and then now that you're through sort of a transition phase, what's your kind of outlook for... You know gross margins on the plant-based business um you know they're pretty strong this quarter just kind of how are you thinking about that going forward is it kind of going to be what it's been you know reported this quarter or is there further room for improvement yeah uh as i mentioned to brian you know we think that the 2021 gross margin will look broadly like uh 2020. um you know there is a a bit of a headwind with just some added capacity which you know will be a kind of short-term headwinds to our gross margin rate, but there are two strong tailwinds. Um, You know, our productivity uh, initiatives certainly being uh, one of them. So, and we also think uh, mix, both product mix as well as customer mix, uh, will be a tailwind in 2021. So, net-net, you know, 2021 will look broadly similar to 2020. Okay, and then last one for me, any updates on new product performance such as the Arbor bar? Yeah, I mean, we continue to monitor and look for additional customers to roll it out. We're happy with the product um, and are actively engaged in putting, um, you know, promotional efforts against it to drive trial. And, um, you know, we're encouraged by the repeats that we're seeing on the product, but, uh, you know, we're looking for additional ways to, to drive trial. All right, that's it for me. Thank you.
2: Your next question comes from John Anderson of William Blair. Your line is open. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, John. Nice to have some fellow, fellow
0: questioners on the call. Um, I wanted to ask you about the oat base extraction, uh, oat extraction process. Uh, can you talk about the quality of your process
2: uh, in producing the oat base, uh,
0: and is there, uh, you know, an equivalent, um, you know, player in the market that, that does this? My understanding is there are some differences in the way um, oat milks are formulated, and it can have a difference on kind of the quality and the functionality uh, of, of the products themselves. Yeah, without uh, without getting uh, too technical here, where I might need some diagrams and schematics, um, there's two ways of making oat milk. One is you start with oat flour uh, and add water. The result of that process is you get a very gritty, bitter-tasting product. Um, the other way to do it is you start with raw oats, you soak them, and you add enzymes that basically— break the oat down into soluble and insoluble uh, components, obviously the soluble components uh, are turned into oat milk, you get a much cleaner tasting product. Um, None of that gritty texture that uh, consumers complain about and we think um, it's a superior process to the way many of the people are manufacturing it. you know I, I certainly don't have uh detailed information into how everyone does it but uh what we are aware that one of the uh leading oat milk manufacturers that we don't make product for uh, also does it uh in a similar process to the way that we do it that's great it's tough to um go technical and do it in terms that laymen uh, layman like I can understand, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um,
2: your plant-based uh, beverage business, um,
0: y- y- it was interesting. I-, I thought it was great that you provided some of the consumption data, syndicated consumption data, um, that showed both aseptic and, and refrigerated uh, growing at very healthy rates. Uh, you know, which which segment is more important to you, and I assume that that might be changing a little bit with your oat-based capabilities, because that may allow you to serve the refrigerated uh, market, perhaps, I'm making that assumption in the way you have not in the past, but if you could just talk a little bit about um, your outlook for aseptic versus refrigerated plant-based growth and in your exposure and uh, ability to serve both of those end markets, thanks. So you're you're exactly right. Um, our added extraction capability opens us up to being a uh, supplier on the refrigerated side. we you know both of them are important to us. Obviously, we have significant aseptic uh, manufacturing assets, and and that is a core business for us. But the uh, oat extraction uh, project and capability certainly uh, affords us the opportunity to start to work with customers in the refrigerated space uh, who aren't current customers today on the shelf-stable aseptic side. Okay, thanks on that. Um, Fruit.
2: In terms of fruit, what led you to upgrade, be willing to kind of upgrade your outlook for gross profit in 2021 some of the specifics maybe
0: in 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 a prioritized you know form yeah um our success in uh working with customers to pass through uh the increased cost of fruit our clarity around the customer commitments that we have for 2021 um would be probably the two, the two biggest ones that, that gave us uh, confidence to suggest that uh, 2021 is going to be better than previously forecasted. And given that you're through the, the season, the harvest this year, the 2020 harvest, does that provide you cost visibility
2: through the bulk of 2021 at this point?
0: Um, Typically, it would provide us insight certainly into kind of Q1 and Q2, Um, and then as it relates to our overall cost structure for the balance of 2021, while the fruit input cost is still a variable, we certainly understand uh, the overall cost structure of our supply chain network, uh, labor, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. Last one, just on the debt, uh, Scott's comments on the debt refinancing. So my understanding, the ABL is in process and the second lien is, is soon to come. And I think you expressed confidence around the second lien. Um, mm-hmm. is your expectation that on the second lien, there would be an ability to get, you know, better pricing? Yeah, good morning, John. So, the comments I was offering was was really focused around hearing the home stretch, you know, and getting, you know, the ABL done, recognizing that that has the March 22 uh, maturity date. And just keep in mind that, you know, the two all notes are due about two years from now in, in October of 2022. So, we're working on them sequentially. So, I would expect that that uh, you know, if if all else were equal in the capital markets, you know, I'd like our chances to have some rate reduction uh, on the 2L notes, but uh, that'll follow uh, the work on the uh, on the ABL. Okay, thanks so much. Uh, congrats on a great great
2: stretch here. There are no further questions at this time. I will now return the call to our hosts for closing remarks.
0: Okay, Uh, thank you, operator, and thank you all for participating in our third quarter conference call. I look forward to speaking to you in the future and appreciate your interest and support in Synopto. Have a great day.
2: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.